Officially Speaking is the official podcast of Official Business. Bridging the gap between sports officials, coaching staffs, players, and fans at both the amateur and professional levels. By creating professional relationships between officials and athletes, we strive to build values and integrity in sport through respect and innovation. Work hard, earn respect, respect the game. April 15th, 1947. Jackie Robinson walked out onto Ebbets Field as a Brooklyn Dodger. There were 26,000 fans there, and two hours and 26 minutes later, he became the first black player to knock big league dirt off his spikes. In this second episode of Officially Speaking, we continue with part two on uh, our conversation with Branch Rickey III, president of the AAA Pacific Coast League. More notably, considering today is the 71st anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball. Branch is also the grandson of Branch Rickey Sr., uh, the man responsible for seeking out and signing Jackie Robinson to those Brooklyn Dodgers. A little more context for myself and Mr. Rickey. Uh, my name is Brian Herzog, and I umpired for three years uh, in the Pacific Coast League, so he was my boss for the final three years of my minor league career. And since then, uh, he's been nothing but encouraging. Every time I've seen him or had the opportunity to talk with him uh, about official business, and that doesn't mean business I can't tell you about. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with uh, who backs this podcast or, or who I started it through, uh, my company's name is Official Business. We uh, we work with sports officials to improve uh, their development uh, as well as bring an umpire's perspective or an official's perspective over to player development at the same time. If this is the first podcast of ours you're hearing, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode one, also with Mr. Ricky. Uh, we spoke about uh, quite a few things that we touch very briefly on here. Uh, but there's better stories behind uh, uh, behind all of them. We spoke about the relationships formed throughout a career in professional baseball, uh, all the way to Branch's experience officiating Greco-Roman wrestling in the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, and how that unique opportunity came about. And then he gave me some advice on official business as we continue to grow as well. In the second episode, we'll talk more about the Jackie Robinson side of the family history, mainly a couple events uh, involving uh, Branch Rickey Sr.'s life as a college coach at Ohio Wesleyan, uh, and also a, as a player, both baseball and football. But events that he went through and people that he knew that he respected well that definitely shaped his thoughts on uh, on right and wrong and and. And just acted as his uh, conviction for what he wasn't going to let happen in his game. Were you always going to go? I, I thought all three of your schoolings were, were interesting too. Were you always going to go to Ohio Wesleyan? Like, was that just ingrained in you from, from the early get-go since since your grandfather and your father went? Or? I, I, I never gave it uh, a whole lot of thought. I was so caught up in the moment in everything I did in school. Uh, everything I did was the most exciting and, and, and demanding thing that uh, that I could imagine, and 
I didn't put a whole lot of long-range planning uh, in, into consideration. So it was, uh, it, it happened to be a visit that I went with my grandparents mm-hmm. uh, to campus for homecoming my junior year, that I walked across campus and saw how, how warmly they were greeted by classmates of uh, 50 years prior, and uh, uh, what those relationships seemed to mean, and uh, how many... Um, I had two sisters in college at that time there, and how many of their friends came up to me and treated me like I was royalty, almost. They were just so affectionate and and, uh, warm and kind. And uh, then I got to the football stadium and saw how cute the cheerleaders were. And I I thought, no, this is the kind of school I would enjoy going to. Right. It's nice to to know what tipped the scales. Yeah. So the fact that I had had family go there, I had a couple of my uh, father's uh, daughters who had gone to college there and run on the track team. Yeah. Uh, not not very uh, not uh, more field hockey players who just happened to run track. Right. They were they weren't very large athletes, and there were their names on the walls holding records from back 30 years prior. And so there are just so many. Uh, and then I met a couple of teachers who said that they had had my father or mother in class with them. And, uh, so it was, it was just a contagious kind of thing. I, I went there out of whim. I, apply, I applied to an Ivy League school and forgot to, uh, and, and uh, really forgot to ever visit campus. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was your other uh, option? What were you considering? Okay. So, I'm sure that would have been a great experience too, but I'm sure. Um, I'm sure your grandpa <laughs> liked to see it because you, I, I noticed at the same time uh, he. So let's see, you, you graduated the same year that he was put into the Hall of Fame. Uh, in '67, uh, is that correct? Yeah. Which, by the way, I did not realize un- until I even looked into your grandfather a little more that he was also. The, the basis for, I mean, his, this is all his structure, the farm system. I Yeah, I was out of the country when he was inducted, so I was overseas, so I didn't get to attend the induction, but yeah. baseball is wholly dependent on a daily basis yeah. on the players that it moves in and out of AAA baseball, which happen in, in such high numbers as well you know. Yeah. The, list, the listeners probably are not aware of the volume of players that move back and forth all the time. A major league club has what it's called as a farm system. Yes. One triple-A club, one double-A club, several class A clubs, rookie league clubs, and uh, affiliations maybe in the Dominican Republic or uh, Venezuela or so forth. I think you focus a lot on, you know, yes, he helped break the color barrier and sign Jackie Robinson and whatnot, but I was fascinated to, to read about that stuff, too. It's a particularly fun inheritance to yeah. have that, to be working in minor league baseball, to be working in a league such as the Pacific Coast League, and to have that background of having my grandfather had that yeah. uh, uh, involvement during his lifetime. Yeah. And then, you're, and then uh, Branch Sr. also coached that team, correct? 
did. Was that later? Okay. Yeah. And so my thought process yeah, there. Where, where, oh, sorry. Where he had <clears throat> a, um, a very uh, riveting and, and pivotal experience in that he had a black athlete on the team, which is incredibly rare back in 1903, mm-hmm. 1904. Mm-hmm. And when he went to um, South Bend, Indiana to play a game over there, the Ohio Wesleyan went over to play a game in, in Indiana. Yeah, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask. Is is obviously I think that's the one that, uh, and again, just watching the movie, um, I think that's the one. As I started to do a little research, that you can point to as you know, years later, I'm sure that is completely in his thought process in in, in trying to bring Jackie Robinson very into into baseball. Very formative to yeah.
So it wasn't until he got to Brooklyn, when he went to Brooklyn, his plans were laid over three years in advance of the signing of Jackie Robinson as he prepared the way. That's what I think is the most unheralded part of the whole equation of the signing yeah. of Jackie Robinson. Yeah, and I actually I, I tried to research back before that, and I was wondering if he knew anything about um, uh, a, a guy he played with by the name of Charles Follis, which he actually played uh, in the Ohio League, you know, predecessor to the NFL. Um, but he he caught for a different. Um, you'd probably be able to tell me the name of the school. Actually, he caught for a different school uh, in that in that same area. It started with a W. Foley, I want to Foley, Foley was a football player. They played football against each other. But but I, he but he caught as well. I wasn't uh, aware of him catching. Yeah, he caught because um, as I looked further into this, um, he was Folis was the Kurt. Uh, uh, is it Foley or Folis? Is that? I, I think it's Foley. Okay, I could be pronouncing it wrong because I'm just looking and, at it on paper. You but you may be right. You may be right. So I'm not sure. Folis, Foley. I'll dub that in later, I suppose. <laughs> um, he was the first black professional f- football player. Yeah. you know, in that, in that the Ohio League was the direct pre- predecessor to modern NFL, so he was the first black professional football player. But he was also the first catcher to move from college baseball into professional baseball in the Negro League, so he was the first catcher to do that. But worth noting, I, I saw at the end there, was um, that Foley's closest competitor at the catcher uh, position while in college was, in, fan, uh, in fact, Branch Rickey. So after we got done talking about a couple stories where uh, that very well helped shape Branch Rickey Sr.'s uh, thought process as he grew up, uh, earlier in life, we got to this really unique story uh, that included uh, Red Barber. And the two most unique stories uh, from Branch I've, I've now heard on this interview. Uh, one uh, during the episode one, where uh, in, in his trip to the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. And then this story about, uh, about Red Barber. And my wife, Bonnie, and I had just finished watching the movie 42, which I highly suggest going out to see, uh, or renting rather than, you know, since it's not in theaters anymore. Uh, But I I highly suggest seeing that movie. And so all I can picture is John C. McGinley since he played Red Barber in 42. So have a listen. Yeah. Or just probably the situation. He was a former field manager. He managed in the major league. Yeah. And uh, he oversaw the operation of the major league club for so many decades. So he was a he was he was a the thing that dominated my grandfather on an hourly basis was energy and vision. And he was able to articulate and communicate uh, his emotions and his feelings and his convictions, his convictions as much as anything. And he spoke generally from a position of conviction. So Mm -hmm. one of the first things he did when he got to Brooklyn was he talked to the broadcaster who was from Mississippi and the deep southerner by tradition. Uh, Red Barber was his name, and he was probably the most popular broadcaster among the major league team yeah. at that time. Yeah. And he went to Red, and this is years in advance of even identifying Jackie 
going to bring a, a, a Negro to Brooklyn, and uh, I don't want to put you in an awkward situation that you can't handle. I want to give you time right. to adjust if, if Process. necessary, yep. and uh, if you think you need to find another team to be employed by, you, uh, I want to give you time to do that. You'll obviously have the ability to successfully relocate, but I don't want to catch you by surprise. And Red asked if he could have some time to go back and talk to his wife about it. And next week he came and addressed my grandfather. And he said, Mr. Ricky, if, if you're going to do this thing, I want to be a part of the Dodgers. And probably one of the best, best, best preparatory steps that my grandfather took was in recruiting Red Barber to that task because millions of fans every broadcast would hear Mr. Red Barber yeah. speak about Mr. Robinson coming to the plate. Yeah. He, he spoke of Jackie in the same fashion that he spoke of every other athlete. He didn't in any way distinguish him uh, from the other Brooklyn players. Yeah. And that extended to all the fans, especially those who couldn't come out to the ballpark, uh, that extended to all of them this, this, this perception. Yeah. Jackie was yep. just one of he was one of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And that was a great great powerful force in my grandfather's. Yeah, behalf. very sounds I mean very key variable in Yeah. in what yeah. My uh, grandfather had the foresight. Yeah. The conviction to extend that courtesy to Red Barber years in advance of identifying Jackie Robinson. So he did that with his with his fellow owners on the club and with the general with the uh, manager, the field manager, and the coaches and his scouts and his front office. So it was a, it was very intensive. But my grandfather was, I think, uh, so filled with um, uh, thoughts about right and wrong mm-hmm. and about ways of doing things that uh, should never be violated, should not be done in a lesser manner, because to stoop to that is wrong. It's just wrong. It's wrong yeah. to lower yourself. It's wrong to lower yourself. Yeah. You don't need to. You can achieve it without stooping to that kind of behavior. And that was a wonderful, powerful ethic on me growing up. Yeah. That's and, absolutely uh, wonderful. When he spoke about umpires, my grandfather spoke about umpires. He said the integrity of our game has been protected throughout its entire history mm-hmm. by the honesty of the umpires. And so I've tried over the years to uh, convey that to our PCL partners, our PCL umpires, and uh, to emphasize that. It's that kind of uh, rising above the the problems, rising above the behavior of others that uh, really rewards over the long run. So very fun to talk with Branch. He has a way of storytelling that I feel like I don't get from many people that I talk to. Uh, It's very unique, and I always enjoy talking with him. Thanks so much to Dwight and Melanie in the league office as well, as they've always been a huge help 
to me during and after my career. And then if I remember from the Christmas card last year from the office, I want to say Matt as well, although that changes from time to time. Uh, thank you to all you in the office. And for you umpire nerds out there, I knew this would be interesting to you uh, and myself, maybe. But uh, working home plate on that day, on April 15th, 1947, was Babe Benelli. And notably, also a third baseman for the Reds for quite a while, much earlier in his, uh, in his career. First base was Hall of Famer Al Barlick. And third base was Artie Gore. And it was a three-man crew that day. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, guys. I love and appreciate that more than you know. Other things I love, five-star ratings for officially speaking, making sure you're following official business on social, and Facebook, Instagram, and our website, we're officialbusiness.us, Twitter and Snapchat, offbizhybrids, O-F-F-B-I-Z-H-Y-B-R-I-D-S. And if you enjoyed the podcast, I also love it when you share it with your friends. Your word of mouth will continue to help official business have a positive impact on youth sports. 